Hey, hey, welcome to Web3 Weekly with your host, Blockstar Technology. Let's go. And hello, Twitter Nation. Welcome to podcast number 13. Um, we have Craig here, Charlie and myself, Maureen, and we have a special guest speaker, Darren. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> welcome, Darren. Hey, folks. I'm here today. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. So today's topic is going to be digital wallets. Is that right, guys? Yeah, predominantly. Yeah. Okay. And we've um, sought the advice of one of our special experts, Darren, who also knows a lot of this about this topic, as well as Craig, Charlie and myself. So let's get going, guys. Take it away, Charlie. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, Darren, for the guests here on Twitter and Instagram that may not know about you, do you want to just give an introduction about yourself, mate, and background? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so my name is Darren Rogan at Darren Rogan on Twitter. You'll see me tweet about Web three startup crypto and other random nonsense. Um, so follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm here having a chat today about Web3 Wallets. I'm the organizer of the Google's blockchain meetup. I've been a member since 2017, running it since 2021, uh, which is another meetup, as well as the Europe meetup, which is at the start of the month. I normally do one at the end of the month. The more the merrier, as I say, the more spread the knowledge. Um, I'm a tech background startup guy. I've been startups for about 15 years um, and lots of different businesses, lots of different stuff. Uh, uh, and I now run Web3 consultancy firm, um, mostly around strategy um, and execution. And I give advice and then I'm in a bunch of stuff, um, <clears throat> multiple projects, advisory design, uh, probably too much to go. And I don't actually like talking about myself. I feel a bit cringe. I feel like I'm one of those late night, you know, QVCs, buy some shit from me sort of guy. Yeah. But uh, you'll, you'll, you'll find out I know what I'm talking about as the conversation goes along. Uh, pleased to join you guys. Thanks for inviting me along. Thanks for coming along. Sorry, man. folks. <laughs> I said guys, I apologize. <laughs> That's all right. No yeah. offense taken. <laughs> and um, for your meetups, just for everyone that doesn't know, they're based on the Gold Coast. Uh, any based in Brisbane or out of town from there? Out of state? Uh, well, they're mostly just done in, on the Gold Coast because I'm lazy and I don't really want to travel. But I do talk. So I was speaking at some conferences. I spoke at the um, Something Tech Conference, which is more of a Web 2. Uh, and then I've agreed to speak at the Oz Crypto Roadshow. I did the Brisbane one for that. I spoke at the Australian Crypto Conference on the Gold Coast. Uh, and I was over at Singapore, uh, Token 2049. And, uh, I'm here and then there's an event tomorrow night. I'm on the panel and NFT Gold Coast and then I'm down uh, in Melbourne uh, at the end of the month for NFT Fest. And then I think that's my calendar done for the rest of the year. Um, so yeah, you'll probably also see me in Brisbane events as well. The Oz DeFi event I, I go to and some other sort of um, crypto meetups there. You might see me as well floating around. But yeah, enough about me. I'm just a long-term techie guy who loves business and startups, but also uh, has raised capital, sold businesses, and, and, and can articulate more than the tech. But I can go super tech if you want to talk about like uh, um, packing of information, uh, 32 bits slot packing. I can go down that far, but I doubt anyone here uh, listening will be interested in that. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about, uh, about wallets. Um, yeah. I think we've all got wallets. Uh, I know I have a few. 
uh, I have hardware wallets, I have offline wallets, uh, and I do sort of do some conversations around wallet safety. So I'm very pleased to be here with you uh, to talk about this subject. Awesome, thanks mate. So I think we should start off with the first one going into um, custodial wallets such as exchanges, which has been blowing up recently, well over the last week with everything going on with FTX. And it's been a long saying in, in blockchain, crypto, not your keys, not your Bitcoin, or furthermore growing into not your crypto now as well. Yeah. So what's your opinion? Craig, on the my exchange opinion. wallets and putting a lot of trust of your finances into a third party that aren't necessarily aren't necessarily regulated in this country. Yeah. When you think there's FTX Australia and you're safe, and then it's actually all funds are over in the Bahamas FTX. Well, I mean, all right, so so we're starting with um, custodial wallets, which yeah. are one of the variants of software wallets. For one, as opposed to hardware wallets, just just to be clear. So, my... just, just just on that, Craig. Yeah. Let's explain what custodial means, because some people might hear that term yeah. and not yeah. really grow yeah. up with that. Absolutely. Means. Yeah. So obviously, with custodial and non-custodial wallets, as Charlie alluded to when he said before, not your keys, not your crypto. So what it means is that you don't actually control the private keys for that wallet. So it's all done by a third party, be it the exchange in your example. Um, whereas you do get other software wallets that you do get control over the private keys and have the seed phrase for and that type of stuff. And that is a non-custodial wallet, which then begs the next statement, which is it's difficult being your own bank because <laughs> yeah. you are then responsible mm. for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess if I break that down in real simple terms, with a custodial wallet, you put a trust in a third party, but you if you forget your password, you can go do a password reset and yeah. reset your password and get into your funds uh, via the exchange. With a non-custodial wallet, um, you lose your private keys and you don't have your wallet or your phone smashes, they're gone forever. Yeah. I mean, the, the beauty of Almost. your... I know we're still actually. We're sorry, I'll, st I'll stick to non. Oh, sorry, to custodial wallets first. So we'll stay on that topic. But I've got some other suggestions. Yeah, for the yeah, they can well. mash in as we're well, going. Well, with the non-custodial, as you just said, if your phone smashes, that's all well and good. But depending on the software wallet that you're using, you may have the same wallet set up on your phone, on your laptop, on your desktop. So it gives you at least some redundancy. I mean, you should always have your seed phrase backed up somewhere. On hopefully something that's non-flammable. Um, you know, you can lock it in a safety deposit box if you want to go to that extent. As I've said previously, each one, each person needs to look at their own use case, though. So, your first question to me was, would I use a custodial wallet at an exchange? And that would all very much depend on what assets I had there. Yeah. So. It's like, honestly, and I don't want to go down a gambling route, but I'm just using this as an example. Walking into a casino, if you go and throw $50 on a number at roulette, you've got to be willing to lose that $50. Yeah. And it's the same thing. So if it's only $50 and you don't care about it that much, that's great. It's when we come into the, the next, you know, when the market picks up and everything starts 
gaining value that it may be important that that $50 has now turned into several thousand or something of that nature. And that's the bit that sort of trips people up, I think, in this situation. So, you know, the the initial investment wasn't great enough for them to concern themselves with it being, you know, that type of wallet, but it can certainly turn into that very quickly. Yeah. Well, I I think that's a very good point there, Craig, that we should take the security of your wallets you know, related to the value of it. Yeah. Because if you've got a lot of money, then, you know, you're at a lot of risk. But if you've got a small amount of money, it's a small amount of risk. Yeah. So um, I, for example, have, you know, multiple wallets at different levels of security. Mm-hmm. So I would have like a cold storage wallet, which is a safe wallet. Well, I'm not explaining what that is exactly right now. But just I've got, you know, larger amount of funds in safe locations, and I've got small amount of funds in in my sort of hot wallet now logically you can think of that as a bank uh and your physical wallet in your pocket so i don't hold a lot of cash on me at any time so if i ever you know got mugged or went to the wrong website i've got a small amount of loss of what's in my wallet on me versus my larger amount of um, of value which is in a higher security wallet yeah And, and you just touched on something else that we might need to explain depending on who it is that's listening we we discussing obviously already software and hardware wallets. We touched on custodial and non-custodial, which we can get into further, but then Darren also mentioned hot wallets as opposed to cold wallets. So there seems to be all of these terms that tend to overlap depending on the type of wallet that it is, which it's any wonder that it gets confusing, so. The amount of options can be really overwhelming as well. And I think that as you're getting started, whether it's a large amount of money or a small amount of money, security is important, but so is convenience, so is access, so is when you look at all the different um, possibilities of what could go wrong in any any given scenario, each of these um, options have pros and cons for them. So like you said, there's the issue of being your own bank, um, forgetting stuff, losing paper. Like, how many stories do we hear where someone's lost their hardware, lost their, or it's malfunctioned, or something's gone wrong, and then that's a lot more frustrating. I, I, I have a friend who has a crypto punk stuck in a wallet, and he can't find the key. Yeah. 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 And so see, that, like, that's a good example of what today's price is: fifty grand asset that is is no longer has access to because he cannot find the seed phrase to get back into the wallet. Yeah. So it can it can happen to the us at the end of the day, um, and I think you're right because at the time it wasn't worth a large amount of money, yeah. but it has become a, a large amount of money. Yeah. So you may not think about the security up front, um, but I think convenience, as you were saying, is a great yeah. uh, point because as you increase the security, you decrease the convenience. That's yeah, right. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and then that <coughs> comes with the exchanges that you make. Like when you decrease the convenience, it's also you're putting a lot more weight back on you and your own reliance. Like if you have to protect, like there's no, there's almost no real right way to do it because they say, don't take a screenshot, don't write it down, don't (laughs) save it on your phone, don't keep it on paper, don't put it anywhere flammable, don't keep, do you know what I mean? Like there's such a much longer list of don'ts than what there are do's and you can't plan for everything. And this is what becomes really difficult because there's so many things that could go wrong. We need an easier option. I know that I have, like, I've studied all the um, wallet safety and I know what the right thing to do is, but I also know that I lose my keys. And so I've kept a lot of my stuff on exchanges. It's dangerous and it's very stupid and they're not small amounts, but 
I've my house is burnt down. I've like all, all of this stuff has happened to me before, so I'd rather blame someone else than myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, well, that, to be honest, and, and, and to be clear, there are entities, not just people, who require to have custodial solutions. So yeah. if you're a financier, for example, you don't take like if you're a fund, you don't take custody of the assets generally, like as mm. part of your risk. You have to go with a custodian who has insurance. So yeah. that's a broker who holds your stock, and that might be you know Coinbase or someone else who holds your crypto on your behalf because you as an entity don't have the expertise yeah. and you outsource that to a custodian. So I don't think custodian wallets are a bad thing, no. and I don't think they're going to go away. Um, now FTX is an extreme example of mm. you know fraud basically, um, where they're taking client assets for trading and pass them over to their. Um, their their hedge fund and that hedge fund's lost all the money so that could happen in the banks that could happen anywhere where yeah. a deposit entity um basically becomes insolvent because their balance sheet gets broken yeah that could be a, a collapse in the underlying asset value which was the ftx token which um you know actually came to light all of the stuff that's the issue but like that could happen in a bank logically folks yeah. where the property yeah. value let's say that uh, a place had all just apartments in melbourne and then we find out that they're covered with you know cladding and asbestos and concrete and all the bad things that can happen and the builder goes under that could like destroy the balance sheet of say a super fund or a bank uh, and then they would also be insolvent and then your assets would then be sort of piled in to then figure out who gets what. And that's the big risk with custodials is that the person holding it isn't doing the correct risk profile and then your assets are at risk of loss or seizure or some, something like that. Yeah. Now, I don't think anyone expected FTX yeah. uh, to, to have these problems. I know I didn't. I was as surprised as anyone else. Um, not impacted too badly, lucky enough. I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a trader. Uh, but I, I do know some other people have been badly affected, mm. so I do feel very sorry for them. And I mean, again, with what you alluded to before by having multiple wallets, and to add on to what you said, Maureen, it's A, it's difficult being your own bank, but yeah. to mitigate risk, if you do break it up into multiple wallets, it, it adds so much complexity. Yeah. Um, but, but if you do lose the keys or seed phrase to one of those wallets, it's only a portion of your assets that you've lost or don't have access to, they're not lost. We know exactly where they are, they're on chain, you just can't get them. Yeah. So they're never actually exactly. lost. I feel like you know? that's and even worse, knowing what it is. It's, it's right there, but I can't have it. Yeah. And, like, and I can relate to that. I don't even know how many exchanges I'm signed up to in different ways oh. and little bits sitting there and over yeah. there just to get yeah. some token <laughs> or some trade. You and, and I both. Yeah. I was looking but at I, my list. Yeah, but I think a good one for what you were touching yeah. on, Maureen, is there's uh, software Taurus. Yes. So far it's been safe where... They shard the um, the private keys within the Taurus network, and you actually just sign up with your email. Yeah. And so that way, for that that wallet to be hacked, um, they would actually need to get access to your email account and then go in. So there's still that risk there. It does happen. But, but that happens quite, all the time. But it is quite user-friendly <laughs> and you can withdraw your private keys if you ever need to as So well. is there at least 2FA on that? Mm. Well, 2FA is the sign-in, so mm. when you input your uh, email address into yeah. Taurus or yeah. WebFreeAuth, if it's set up on, yeah. on a DAP, for My. instance, they'll send you a code to your email, 
and then you use that code to log in. Um, you know, it's 2FA. My, my yeah. issue is where you said so far, like that that word, you just saying that so far, it's been good. That's I think that's the problem. So far, FTX wow. was good <laughs> until it's not good. And I think this is a perfect example. I think we could probably all agree that regulation needs to keep up. It needs to catch up because if these exchanges were properly regulated and you know um held to more account had insurance had all these things had higher liability all of that stuff you know had asset um what's it called one for one and yeah. proof and stuff we wouldn't proof be of in the, yeah, yeah proof of reserve that's right and that's something that they're definitely going to bring in as a result of this but i think that one of the key answers here at the moment is that regulation does have to, you know, catch up and be put in place to protect consumers in the space. It does. But, but just just remember that a regulation does not stop this. No. Yeah. It's like saying cops stop crime. Cops no. don't stop crime. They punish people who do criminal things. Yeah. When and if they catch them. Yeah. So the, there were, you know, there are some regulations in uh, the Bahamas and it looks like FTX has broken those and done things which are illegal um, and the investigations will, uh, will will go ongoing. But that's a very different thing to understanding the implications of regulations. Now, yeah. I, I like regulations, just to yeah. be clear, but I worry that we have reactionary um, regulations. And we're only a small country, folks. We're 25 million people. We're not going to have a big impact on the rest of the world. Mm. Um, and if you want you know, deep liquidity, big markets, there's a reason people used FTX International. It was because it had the biggest order book, it had the best prices, it had a great system, like the technology in FTX and their matching engine yeah. was one of the best. And it, if regulations are too tight locally, like they already are, because they're not really there, people will go overseas. And unless we're going to say that you cannot interact with an overseas com company, then I, I, which I think is ridiculous, yeah. um, but that sort of sort of nanny state will just drive innovation overseas. So, so yeah. while everyone's calling for innovation, I might be a little different here and saying we have some sort of innovation. What we don't have is clear regulations yeah. in the sandbox to enable local people to deliver the similar services. So then that service is delivered outside our jurisdiction. And then the, the user protections that would that would come from being inside our jurisdiction, the you know the uh, consumer protections yeah. and, and the restrictions that you've just said, uh, they would all sort of be required roughly, but they're not. So so the, the reality is it's a world marketplace, mm. uh, and you can't beat fraud. If somebody's doing fraudulent activities, they're going to do fraudulent activities. What it has proven to me is that we need more on-chain verifiability. Because it was from an insolvency was detected because there was an illiquidity. But if you had on-chain reserves, we would have known that they didn't have the money that they said they would have. Mm. Um, so there's a whole bunch of stuff coming out. I don't want to speculate too much, but it is sort of interesting to understand that while we want these regulations to go in, they may not give the outcome that we're looking for. So mm. I would prefer that we took longer and spent more time on it. Um, I think people don't understand the risk. So I think there's a yeah. lot more education about risk. Um, and like I used to say, you know, risk of return is more important of risk on return. Uh, but most people don't comprehend what I'm saying. And you also have a, a bias where you don't believe that's going to happen to you. Like seatbelts are mandatory. 
true for a reason. It's not like if everyone thought rationally, everyone will put their seatbelt on. But there's a reason there's a law. It's because people don't consider the risks. We're very bad at looking at risks for ourselves. Yeah. So I'm hoping that's sensible. That's all that I'm saying. Yeah, and I remember uh, 2018 that happened when Malta, I remember Binance Malta yeah. opened up clear regulations and invited everyone from blockchain. And I think, uh, I can't remember exactly, but there was countries clamping down and there was rumors going about of what was happened and Binance just went, right, we're moving to Malta. Yep. And a bunch of other crypto um, exchanges and other businesses moved to Malta as well and they've done quite well from it. They had a big growth yeah. because we work in an international um, blockchain. You know, there's no borders in blockchain, Web3. So. Yeah, exactly right. There's a, there's a ton of projects here based out of the Bahamas. Do you know what I mean? Because you're looking for the best regulatory environment for an online business. There's no requirement to be an Australian entity. We can all work, in, you know, for a foreign entity at the same mm. time. So, you know, there, there's there's a thought process which is very localized, where they could, you know, control the movement of labor and money from being country. But when we move to an international global system, now people are going to cherry pick the best regulations. So, you know, coming back to regulation, 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 uh, it may not be the best thing. Uh, I know it sounds weird, but if there were better regulations in the first place, then those services would be localized and then we'd use them. Yeah. Yeah. But if we won't, then we'll go overseas anyway, because an internet browser, who cares where it is, you know? Like I, I my emails from Germany, you know, my, my other provider for something else is all across the globe. I don't know where they are. Um, yeah. I only figure out where they are when I'm doing my accounts to see who's got who's, who claimed GST back. You know what I mean? That's about the only time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then yeah, just to touch base on the um, like liquidity too is we don't see it too much in Western worlds, but it, it would happen. But you see in like countries like Turkey and other countries when there's a um, a worry of funds or inflation. Everyone goes piling into the bank. If we all went piling into the bank in Australia to withdraw cash at the same time to put under our mattress, the banks would close and say, sorry, we've ran out of money and there'd still be 80% of us waiting to try and get some cash until it pulls back up. I think, I think there's 2 or 3% of physical cash for all monies in, in, in existence. I think it's like 4 in Australia. So it's only 4% of all money as we would know it actually has physical tender so we already live in a digital money world folks it, 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 you know there's not that many people who um, are not digital yeah yeah definitely definitely well i guess with that one it would now take us on to south custodian some examples <laughs> Trust wallet. Trust wallet. If, if we're sticking with software wallets at this stage, still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because software. like I said, there's, there's multiple categories. There is, in there is. Yeah, this. I'd say software. So, trust wallet. Yeah. I like trust wallet. Yeah. Um, not my go-to wallet, but I'm switching over. Like as I'm coming off exchanges, it's multi-chain, so you can have it all in sitting in one. Um, obviously, the OG MetaMask. Yeah and um also edge wallet as well which is a an old one that got upgraded yeah but yeah yeah and and that begs the point too that you may end up needing different even if you're using software wallets but different wallets depending on the assets you have because not all wallets support 
all assets. All assets, yeah. So, so it, it adds that whole next level of complexity to this as well. Sorry, Darren. No, the only other thing I was going to add is I've started using the Rainbow Wallet, which is quite nice. Um, I like it. Uh, I think it's a good introductory one. It's got a really nice UI. And it sort of brings up to front like DeFi options. So it gives you like staking pools like right in the wallet. I know some of the other wallets are sort of, they're very good on the utility, but they don't sort of have any discoverability about what you can do yeah. with them. Yeah. Or I think yeah. that Rainbow are doing very good of helping you find ways to use your wallet directly in the wallet. Um, so it's worth checking out as well. Yeah. So were there any other options that you had for Ronin other than the Ronin wallet? Uh, not that I looked too far into. I just mm. went straight to didn't overturn every rock, but yeah. yeah, I didn't overturn every rock, but I just went straight to the yeah. Ronin wallet, and they've got a pretty nice UI. But that's again just for the Ronin ecosystem yeah. itself, which, which begs you know, the point of that complexity. Until you of, bridge yeah. out, and then you've got to have yeah. a MetaMask or bridge in, and so that then I so, guess sorry. So I was just going to say, so MetaMask is the most popular Ethereum wallet yeah. um, it's been around for a long time it's got a mobile app and a chrome plugin and then phantom which is probably the most popular uh wallet for uh, solana yeah. uh, staying with popular wallets can be beneficial because there's more development resources for upgrades <laughs> and and so forth so be aware that in your wallet selection uh, you can also get multi-chain wallets yeah um, but there is always a risk of you know going with a new one because you are sort of help someone else is sort of interacting with your wallet on your behalf. So there is a there's a risk there too with going with random wallets. Uh, so you want to make sure that you're you're securing your actual wallet software and using a reputable uh, known wallet. Yeah, because at the end of the day, really the wallet's just. I like to say that a wallet's just the window into the blockchain to see what you own on the blockchain. But really, it's like a TV because you can change. Channels. Change, change <laughs> channels and move it around yeah. and interact. So, yeah. And also, I, I do a, a bit of a, a talk and I use a mental model, I think works really well. Stay use it, take it. And I say that the blockchain is basically a safety deposit box in the sky. So, all of your funds are in this, you know, in the, in the cloud. And then your wallet is really just your key, your physical key to get access to those things. And yeah. um, and that I think gives a good idea of the custody because I think people always get the custody incorrectly in the mental model. Um, so if you go to like a bus station, there's a bunch of lockers. That's basically like a blockchain, and your wallet is one of those lockers. And then how do we interact with those? So if you use a bad wallet, so you think about you putting your key in, in a bad physical wallet that copies your key and sends it off, then you still have those associated risks, which is why I generally recommend to go for the bigger named ones. Um, so just also be careful. Yeah. And, and I think with the custodial wallet example using that, you would effectively be asking the guy behind the counter, can you get the stuff out of locker number four? And he's got a big bunch of keys that he just walks over mm -hmm. with and gets it out, hoping that you are who you are. Yeah, where it's yeah. a robot. <laughs> it's a robot. That's, auto, well, auto that, that's right, in this instance. So yeah, we've yeah. got, we've got just, just to be clear, those, these Web2 businesses, uh, they don't normally work exactly like that, like behind the scenes, like FTX and Binance. Yeah. What happens is your assets get pulled into these wallets, and then there's a normal database system that claims. So, you, so you're actually working on the normal database system, which is why yeah. you pay gas fees. And then your claim of the assets is what gets pushed around and then yeah. when you withdraw and you're getting your percentage out. 
Uh, and that is why, you know, FTX, for example, may have been able to take customer funds and then send them away because they were actually in that wallet behind the scenes mm. and because no one was trying to take the money out yeah. yet. No one was aware that the money wasn't actually there. Where we use on-chain stuff, we physically move around funds and we can verify that they exist. Or even in some instances, you may be paying fiat and effectively just getting a credit amount in a particular currency, like cryptocurrency, in your account. And it may just, may or may not exist in the wallet that the exchange is running as well. And if you then decide to change that for another cryptocurrency, it's merely just them changing the value of your credit and what type it is without any on-chain activity whatsoever. Yeah, and that was my big concern in the early days of not trusting anybody or anything when Mm -hmm. it was still still early on there. Yeah. Until you transfer it out to your own software wallet and hang on, it didn't come because it's not on the network. It's funny because so. this is meant to be a trustless system, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Whereas we're all like, who can we trust? Yeah. Well, I think um, MetaMask for a software wallet has done really well over the last maybe four years. Like they've mm-hmm. implemented um, Fiat on ramps. So now you can buy Ethereum or a couple of other cryptocurrencies. Within MetaMask, they've just adopted Apple Pay now yeah, as Apple well. Yeah, Apple Pay, Google Pay, yeah, credit yeah. cards. And then they're also them. intertwined in the DEX. So if you want to swap within MetaMask itself, you just go to the swap and you can swap yeah. for another currency and it finds you the best price throughout the decentralized exchanges. So yeah, so yeah it's getting there. It's oh. getting there. They're getting there much better. Uh, I got a deal. I got another call that I need to get go on. Um, but yeah, you know, I think more knowledge around wallets is is you know is great for everybody. Uh, thanks very much for having me on board. And, thanks, Darren. Uh, I'll see you next time. Thank awesome. you, Thanks so Thank much. You, okay. See you Thank next you. time. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, does anyone on Twitter Space have questions before we move on? I don't know. Um, uh, I know BrainScan just brain joined scan? us, so does BrainScan want to jump on and talk? Hello, BrainScan. Yes, let's, how do we activate this? Someone that knows how to do it, please help. Somebody that can see. Uh, Ch- Charlie, we need you. Sorry, guys, one second. We've got a speaker wanting to speak. All right. I think you're good to go, so if you can, if it worked, let me know. Hey, guys. Ah. Hey, oh, there he is. <laughs> you guys are doing such a great job. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You're, you're doing a great job of listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I thought I'd just jump in uh, to uh, let the audience know uh, that um, we have a giveaway. So we're going to uh, give away a, a Ledger uh, Nano S. And um, obviously, we're not going to, it's not something that we bought. But what we'll do is we'll pick the winner and then um, we'll get them online with us and we'll buy it um, from Ledger yeah. uh, website and we'll send it from the website straight to the, uh, the winner's uh, address. So And, 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 and that, that's a very important point I think that you're raising there because while everybody will tell you that a hardware wallet is more secure, it's only more secure if you can 100% identify that it came directly from the trusted manufacturer 
wasn't bought secondhand or the package had been opened at a retail store and had some other software installed on there that's going to steal all your crypto out of it later. So it's, it's, it's a, that's exactly why you're mentioning, I guess, that it's not something that we purchased that will come directly from the manufacturer to make sure that it's and, secure and appropriate. And from the trusted website. That's exactly right. a few right. years ago, people were purchasing them off eBay with malware backdoors in yeah. there. So always, always purchase your hardware wallet from the direct website and make sure it's trusted. Absolutely. I normally do the social experiment where I'll jump on their Twitter Twitter page, find out, make sure other people I'm following follow them, make sure it's the legit company as such, and then go to the website because I'll normally have their website in the link there, but yep. we'll take care of that yeah. for the person who wins the lucky one. And... Um, Cozzy, brain scan, yes. not too sure what to call you while you're on the phone. Uh, Cozzy's fine. <laughs> brain scan. The cat is on a bag now. Yeah, brain brain scan. now they know. Um, so how do people enter the our competition for the hardware wallet, man? Uh, good question. So uh, that's something that um, I will do. I, look, I think uh, we should make it more interactive. Chuck, um, a comment, uh, chuck a comment in the space and um, we'll put the winner. Oh, hand up and come and ask, like, you know, uh, be part of it, get involved. Or even yep. um, if we are not comfortable in uh, talking in public, mm. uh, just drop a message uh, to this uh, space as well and we can, um, you know, we can talk about things and ask difficult questions as well because at so, the end of the day, we don't know everything and if this, is a, this is a platform to share knowledge and learn as well, yep. so... So, best question or comment? Yes. Okay. No, so, re- no retweet required. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but that is optional. <laughs> yes. Um, guys, I think we should always, you know, also, um, I would like to talk, you know, you guys had a good uh, discussion about the hardware wallets, right? The hot. Uh, and we, we haven't touched hardware okay. wallets yet, Cozzy, but um, also just to touch base on the software wallet to finish that category up is if you ever lose those private keys that you have saved, you will not be able to access those funds again. So yeah. Unless you have that on multiple devices. Unless you have that on multiple devices, but yeah. Yeah, so those private keys, you have those private keys, they can get you into your app. Any other third-party wallet, that same private key will open up those same wallets and computer as well. So Yeah, think of it like your phone and all your contacts, but there's no iCloud. Yeah. And, and also, you've got to be cautious with using your main wallet if you have all your funds or all your NFTs in there when you're interacting with smart contracts. Uh, MetaMask just done an update where they'll send you a warning on what exactly that smart contract's doing because not everybody can read the code or the functions. But um, it's always best to have a second wallet to play around for mints or connecting to third-party dApps that aren't as well established at the moment if you want to jump on something so you can always it's always free to spin up a second wallet and use that and send some funds over so you're not at risk of losing everything if you don't have a hardware wallet stored elsewhere if at any point the words seems legit go through your mind while you're looking at something use the other wallet not your main one (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. always use the burner wallets they're free you spin them up and burn them yeah (laughs) um i got a question for you guys say for example now um, I have given the, um, you know, so, you know, my uh, seed phrase is like, you know, uh, 
is in the open, right? Someone found it. Is there a way to for me to reset my you know private key of seed phrases? No, you won't be able to reset them. Your only chance would be withdrawing everything out of that wallet to a new wallet <laughs> with a new yeah. seed phrase or private key. But if you didn't know that they found it, you most likely would find your funds gone if you had sent an email and that may well someone be the interfered song. Yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the advice in that circumstances would be to move everything to a new wallet and move it now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely and, or don't put your seed phrase out. Yeah, well, that or, as well. or share it with anyone. There's people still falling for. Oh, share me your seed phrase, and I'll I'll sort it out for you. Do not do that because you yeah. cannot. It's not like an email address where you can reset your password. Yeah, and I think uh, we also say that don't take screenshots on your phone. It's because it's things with iCloud or Google Cloud. And, and then if they get compromised, then, and you know. whatever app you're connecting to, like TikTok, YouTube, whatever, yeah. they all ask for rights Access to your, to your, your images camera. and things like that. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. 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 Super important. So um, why would you, why would I use a software wallet? Um, like, you know, we spoke about like, you know, long, long time ago, uh, there were uh, paper wallets, right? And now we got to software wallets and now another level gone to hardware wallets as well. So we haven't, I won't talk about hardware wallets yet, but um, what is the difference between a paper wallet and a software wallet? Okay, can, can, I, can, I, can I take this? Because I've got two yeah. things for Cosio. Yeah. This one. Yeah. one, convenience. Yeah. Obviously, because your paper wallet, obviously you're still going to be interacting. You, you could make mistakes. A, you've got your seed phrase written down, you know, on something to be able to do this or, or the private key. I wouldn't think it would be the private key. But in, in your case, Cosy, the main reason yeah. you wouldn't use a paper wallet is because it won't display your NFTs. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> that, would kill me. that would kill me. Yep, not a hope. No, what do you, well, not unless you want to draw them all on the backside of the paper print or something. Yeah, just print them out. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. All righty. So what are the questions that audience, uh, why don't they, you know, why don't we ask the audience, have they got any questions or if they want to add any, you know? So while we're doing that, we'll just talk about it. As you can see, there are so many different options and it, it really comes down to, number one, what you're doing with your funds. You know, whether you're actively trading, whether you are purchasing, buying, selling, moving, whether you're just an uh, investor and you buy and hold, um, how much you trust yourself to keep something safe, you know, who has access to this stuff, like where it could be kept, is it, you know, um, as long as you've considered all the possibilities, which can be hard to do, and what the purpose of those purchasers are for. Yeah. So... Yes, Charlie. It's, 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 it's risk versus convenience. Yeah. But be aware that what the risk was can change, can change and what the convenience much. was may also change. Yeah, and it's also use case. Like if yeah. you're if you're constantly using um, your coins or you're constantly buying NFTs or you're constantly swing trading or you know, do anything like that and you need to often access it, even if you're bot trading, you need a minimum amount of money on an exchange for it to actually operate properly. It just yeah. comes down to what you're using and what your yeah. your individual circumstances are. Really. And I guess it comes into part of that triangle too, Craig, we always talk about. But um, exchange, very 
well, I say very user-friendly. It can be quite overwhelming for people just getting into it if they haven't traded stocks or anything like that. But it's you're not paying a gas fee because none of it's on-chain. It's all done on a database. So when you're transferring between coins, whether it's other chains, the same chain, it's all gas-free database, you can um, remove that out. But over the recent years, you've actually got... Uh, quite a few good DEXs coming out like Uniswap or PancakeSwap, uh, Ronin as we touched on, Katana, um, which are more on-chain. So anything you do there, you will have to pay a gas fee and during peak markets, those gas fees increase as well. Yeah. But I think for the NFT space, it also depends what you're doing. So do you know that? What? But yeah, with NFTs, it's yeah. sort of bought a lot of people into having their self-custodial software wallets yeah. or hardware wallets because OpenSea, Rarible, GemXYZ are the main places and you have to connect with a self-custodial wallet to interact with them. They're not exchange-based. Yeah. So can I just... Um, throw some thoughts out there maybe because you guys have are so well across this when someone purchases stocks on the share market or shares and they go and purchase it and they're the owner of those shares you can access any of that so what is the difference like essentially like why is it that i can buy shares and they can go up and down in price and i can trade them if i want and i can hold you on to that tra- you can trade them for cash but you can't trade them for other shares Okay, so put that aside. Why is it that I can access them anytime I want? And there is it because those um, sites are regulated better? A, a broker handles that. So there's a middleman where you pay yeah. like maybe $20, $25. Some of them are 10 I think ComSec yeah. is free. And the broker signs that deal. So all the um, shares go through the broker. Yeah. And I'm no expert on this, but this is my understanding. Shares go through the broker and that broker holds those shares on their order book saying you own X amount of shares. Okay, so is there a way that that same system would work and operate? A decentralized exchange. Yeah, so so what I'm saying is the difference that brokers are more regulated would you say is it like is that what that we're, what we're missing right now there's a lot more clearer regulations, regulations. There. and even okay. when you see brokerages like uh, i think it's eToro you can buy certain cryptocurrencies comsec in australia yeah uh, i don't know if they have because i don't bank with commonwealth but they're about to bring in like bitcoin and ETH. Yeah. but they just sell you a contract to that currency so you never actually buy the currency you're buying a contract that follows the price so you never actually own it or can sell it or withdraw it. They've just got a market that has a contract on the price you brought and you can sell that contract. So is that the equivalent of the exchange just saying you have this much credit and we're going to show you what that is in Bitcoin? I guess in our exchange case is the broker is the exchange. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, yeah. it's the equivalent. That's and the, the blockchain thing. is the share market. Yeah. So that's if so, so is the only differentiating factor the <clears throat> fact that currently gotta, they're better but, regulated. But you've got to remember, yeah. brokerages go bust too. Yeah. If you're in a brokerage and it goes bust, you lose all your money as well. Like I'm sure it happened many times during the GFC and tech bubble where mm. they invested all this money and people like if they can auto invest yeah. for you as well as a hedge fund. 
and then suddenly the shares start plummeting and they go negative and they go bust. I think it was interesting because the analogy was made that um, in the same circumstances, had there been fraud, the government, and it was a bank that was involved and said, the government would rush to the people and like bail Bail them out. out. But because it's crypto, so I'm just trying to like, trying to figure out what the difference is. So if it, everyone compares this to being a bank, but if it was a bank, there was would be recourse and they would have been bailed out. So what... But is that is, is that bailout option... Well, I'm not saying it's an option, but well, is that available to them because of the regulation? Is that available to them because the government can just print more money and give it to them, but they can't print more Bitcoins and give it to them? They have to go buy the Bitcoins and give it to them, which then drives up prices... Yeah, it's, it's a little it's out of my a, wheelhouse. It's a very, yeah. very yeah. complicated. Yeah. Very okay. complicated. So yeah. I'm just chucking out a bunch of questions just because I have you guys here and I'll look at them. Do we have um, any here? Or do we guys, so I've got a question. Yeah. Yes. So um, so when I uh, put, uh, when I get uh, crypto or NFTs, do I get them into my wallet so that if I lose my wallet, I lose all my things or... Where do, do, do they, where do they source those, where do those assets sit? Is it well, in my wallet or somewhere else? It, it is exactly like, probably Darren's analogy was really good explaining. So your assets are on the blockchain. However, and, and if you associate that to being the um, safety, safety, safety deposit, deposit box, box, your wallet is the key. So Your private key is the key. Yeah, pr- pr- provided yeah. you have the key, yes, you can get to it. If you don't, then we know exactly where your stuff is. But you, you can't don't have get access it. to it. Yeah. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Are you asking for a friend? Yes. <laughs> no, which is why I'm, I've suggested like one of the obviously depends on the assets. Like I said, do your own research and risk versus you know um, how convenient it is. Yeah. But if you're using a software wallet, I would recommend a non-custodial software wallet. And if it's something like MetaMask, then set it up on multiple devices and back up your seed phrase. And create new accounts. You can have multiple accounts in that one wallet. Multiple accounts to connect. uh, Yep. Not 100%. So it's not like you have to pull out a different phone or use a different app if you want to use a different wallet to connect to a particular DAP or interact with a contract. That's right. Add an account, name it, and then open up multiple more if you like. Absolutely. So do we want to... Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Is there anybody else? Sorry, I can't see that. I've got my glasses. Uh, no, 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 good? no, okay. no one else so has to come up. Did we want to move on to hardware wallets? So you finished with... Well, actually, did we define the difference between a hot wallet and a cold wallet? I'm not sure that we actually did that, did we? No, we haven't gone. At, that'll be our third stage, hardware wallets and then hot and, hot and cold. cold. Okay, so we'll yeah. do hard, hardware wallets. Charlie, do you want to... Start with that one. So a hardware wallet is um, Ledger Nano, Trezor, Trezor, or it could. I, they well, would be, that'd be the only two I would go I with. But there was that third one that we seen, but I really liked it. What was that one, Craig? You were one. showing me the I, stone tablet. Oh no! Yeah, well, I've got one of those in there too. But I've also got the coin, like actual physical hardware physical. that just has a QR code on it. Yeah, yeah. That's actually laser etched into it, so it's you know not going to melt if something catches fire um but yeah so generally they're a hardware device that connects either via usb wi-fi or generates a qr code 
that you can then use to either sign stuff or better yet, quite often, and you might want to take this one, connect the hardware wallet to your software wallet. Yeah, yeah. So you've got your hardware wallet and like Ledger Live, you can download the app and you've got a view of all your funds in there, much like an exchange, but it's your own little piece of software where they don't have the private keys to it. And then um, when you want to, MetaMask has got a hardware wallet connection, which if if you're more interested, um, watch a couple videos online on that. So as we were discussing a minute ago, where you can have multiple wallets set up within MetaMask, one of of those can be the hardware wallet, that's right. And then you you connect your hardware wallet, open it up with your pin, and then connect it into your MetaMask, and then anything you do through that MetaMask hardware connection, you've got to sign for on your device, so. Yeah, so you need the physical device to be able to sign to and interact tra- with the contract and, or and transfer signing assets. just means that you're accepting yeah. that um, transaction or interaction yeah. with the blockchain yeah. via which, the device. Which makes it, I mean, it's a little more complex, less convenient, I guess, to do that, but when that device is unplugged and no longer in use, you are not at risk at all. So yeah. no matter what happens to the to the MetaMask or to the wallet that you're running, the soft hot wallet, software wallet on your system, yeah. you're at no risk because it still requires the hardware device to be able to sign in. Yes. And going into that, that's what we would call a hot wallet. Yes. So Cold wallet, Craig. How would we explain the cre- the cold oh, wallet on that? P- perhaps BrainScan would like to explain what a paper wallet is, and that might <laughs> explain some of that at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Are you there, BrainScan? No. Oh, he's, uh, he's got us the hard. Then question. you might have to do it. <clears throat> so, paper wallet was the old-fashioned way back back in the day. So, so maybe explain to like obviously paper wallets like um, a piece of paper your private keys have never been online touch the internet they're on that piece of paper so how do you then use that to interact with the blockchain well once you use that to interact with the blockchain it's no you've got to input it into into like you've got your qr so you're now turning that paper wallet invalid by becoming uh, hot wallet again. So as soon as you use it, it's been on chain. So, so effectively, the wallet can be spun up. Anything on blockchain can be stored in that address. Deposited in. Deposited safe, in that address. Stored yeah. and safe as soon as you're transferring out. That's because you, you only need the public key to transfer something or the, you know, the, the public, public address, address to send any assets to it. Yeah. But it's not until you've interacted with it that you're using... The, the, the private keys at yeah. which point it's and then no you gotta do whatever you're gonna do and then set up a new paper wallet where yeah. now we've got hardware wallets and um, you can just keep that offline for as long as you want that's right until you want to interact yeah so you, you can go and buy a device transfer your assets without even plugging the well providing you've got the address the public address off it you can transfer all, all your assets yet yeah, to that address yep um, having never have connected that device to the internet, to, to the internet or to you know interact with the blockchain. Yeah, and then when you do co- connect that in and interact with that, that then then turns into a hot wallet. No, no longer get, cold. Yeah. No longer cold. That's yeah. right. So, um, all right. So we covered 
custodial and non-custodial soft, like software, um, they would obviously be hot. And a lot on the, exchanges you know, and that. There was a little bit on exchanges in there as well. Um, we talked about your hardware wallets, paper wallets. Are there any other software types? Software wallets. Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Can you? No. No. Uh, Maureen, what questions have you got for us from this conversation of all these different wallets? I am just, the thing that goes through my head, especially when you say paper wallet and you can transfer it without it ever being connected to anything is, the problem is if you get it wrong or you send money and you don't check that it's gone through, once you've sent it, there's no way you can get it back. If you sent it to the wrong address or you got a single letter or number wrong, that's it. That's the power of the blockchain, though. It's immutable. No and, chargebacks. And it's really difficult to be your own bank. Yeah, but, it's but hard you know, to like, be your own bank. The, the risk is you have, what is it, 20, What? how long is a hash? Is it 26? Depends on the chain. For, oh, depends on okay. So, like, you can get, it, and it's pretty long. And so when you come down to dealing with writing things down and, you know, in, like, the risk of human error mm. increases exponentially. Like the reason they don't use O and zero and L and one is because of those mix up. The, but, like they're removed. But, from. Would, but would that be worth spending 40 hours to research if you had had a hundred to a hundred K to a million dollars sitting on FTX? And yeah, the, but, but what is, you educate, know, you can research. I feel like educate yourself. But what's the right answer? Like, you can educate well, yourself. You can look at all these options. And... I, th- I, th- I personally think the best way is, as you guys know, get in and push buttons. Like, send, if you're on an exchange, send $50 to a software, um, software wallet. Go transfer some funds across and learn mistakes and bridge over to other chains and watch some YouTube videos on that and just get in there and do it with small amounts. And even when I first started out, I would do everything via a small amount first yeah. and then sit there waiting, waiting. Okay, it hit that account or it, it hit that ICO and yeah. I got those funds back and then just recreate that same transaction. But it's all just getting in there and giving it a go, I'd say. But with small amounts to begin with, if, yeah. you're, if but- you're not used to it, like the funny thing is I was... Um, what was it? I had something to do with the bank and maybe an exchange like Binance and depositing money or withdrawing money or something like that. And I was more accustomed to transferring my crypto and through MetaMask and um, hardware wallets than I was with what the bank wanted from me. I've been like, I've gone that far into crypto. I was like, the bank, and I'm like Googling stuff about the bank, what they wanted, and I'm like, what is this? Like, it, I could have like sent that money to my MetaMask like 20 yeah. times quicker. Well, wise words to suggest to transfer small amounts first when testing, because I know that there are many people out there that have tried to transfer a token to a wallet that not even necessarily on which is an important step you can only send bitcoin to bitcoin is that um, a question your metamask yeah. wallet can handle quite a few chains but they're evm based so they won't be compatible with say yeah. solana or cardano that's correct is that a hand up uh yes brand scan um guys you know the uh hardware wallet. i got a question um I saw a um, video uh, on YouTube uh, about Joe Grand, uh, yes. this hacker, 
uh, breaking into a hardware wallet. So if you if you are saying like hardware wallets are safe, how come he managed to break into one? They're safer. <laughs> well, I would say um, Joe Grand. I, I actually love that video. I Me watched too. it a couple of times. Yeah. He is a very smart man. There's not too many people in the world like him. Yeah. And the chances of someone like that actually getting your device would be, I'd say, fairly slim. But um, he managed to hack it, and it's an awesome. Go watch it on YouTube, guys, if you haven't yeah. seen. Uh, guy hacks um, Trezor wallet and he does it in a good way because it was the actual owner of the funds his mate set it up he forgot the code and again those funds weren't worth a lot no but come 2018-19 they were worth a decent amount of money and some key points to take away from that especially is it was a particular type of wallet it had an old version of the software on it. So, so it's, it's the equivalent of jailbreaking your iPhone and every time they, you know, release a new update to the iPhone, they're harder to jailbreak or that method doesn't work. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's very dependent. It really is. Yeah. Does that mean, um, sorry, just on that note, does that mean if you transfer your money to a hot wallet or a hardware wallet, every time that that brand upgrades that you should be then upgrading as well and transferring it, that it's not reasonable to keep an old version of it because it might get outdated well, and you're constantly having to move funds again? Is that recommended? No, you don't need to move funds. And just to touch base on that, a, a hot wallet is just something that you've interacted with the blockchain, oh, yeah. the internet, and the hardware wallet can be hot or cold for anyone listening. And yeah. Cold just means it's never transacted outwards. It's only taken inbound transactions. Yeah. Okay. But um, it's just like updating your, your iPhone. Like sometimes I don't update my iPhone and I like to wait a bit and sometimes there's bugs or glitches and they're like, all right, yeah. pause. But you should try to stay up to date with your software. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that statement, but th this is where you've got both sides of this coin. Mm. Yes, if it's a security update, then I would absolutely recommend that you update your hardware wallet, keep it yeah, up to date with Google. software and things of that nature. Do you know what I mean? Because it's going to yeah. be safer for you. In this particular example that we were giving, the gentleman owned the wallet, it hadn't been updated, and that was the only reason that it could be hacked and the funds recovered because they'd lost the pin. So if they'd have followed correct procedure and kept it updated, probably would never have recovered those funds. But in yeah. saying that, he would have remembered his pin most likely because, because he was using because it more frequently and updating it. And updated it, he just yeah. let it We got there. another question. Go ahead, brain scan. Um, so is there, a, is there a place that I can go and see uh, where that my wallet is connected to? So that rather, because I don't, I don't remember, right? Because I, I love NFTs. I just connect my, you know, hot wallet uh, to all these contracts. <laughs> and where can I see? Is there a place that I can go and, you know, see, okay, this my, connect, my wallet is connected on this chain, to this website, to this smart contract. And is there a way that I can just select all and disconnect? MetaMask has a list of them in it if you were using MetaMask, but there is... There is, there is a website, but it's escaped my brain at yeah. the moment. We'll post it in the bottom of the space chat yeah. if anyone wants to check it out and have a look later my, on. My, my question is... For I'll it, have to go into my bookmarks and just <laughs> check that one once in there. For, for this site to know which contracts, application sites you've interacted with or connected your wallet to... Does it also need to connect your wallet to get that information? 
And then when you clear them all, does it actually clear from that site? Clear itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, I never thought of... (laughs) It'd be like going to a website to clear your browser cache and the only thing left is that particular website. So we've got a question to each other. Uh, Revoke.cache. So that's the one. Uh, there is there is a gas fee involved, and re, but they take for revoking all those connections. But um, there's a lot of places you forget that you've connected to, and sometimes it's yeah. safer. So is that is that actual wallet connections, or is that contract signing that you're revoking? Contract connections. That's contract signing that you're revoking. Wallet connect and yeah. MetaMask handles the wallet yeah. connections, but not there. necessarily the contract signing. Yes. 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 That's correct. So it's very important. Yeah. Because while you might have been at the site and interacted and everything seemed legit, you know. You never know what happens in the future. That's exactly right. Especially with proxy contracts these days, upgradable contracts. Yeah, because you're interacting with your, yeah, you're interacting with the proxy and then it's talking to, you don't know what at the back end. Yeah, and you don't know, you might know what it is today, but in six months when you're not looking, you, you don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, all right, guys. I think um, can we announce the the winner for the hardware wallet? Is it you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, um, um, we have picked um, investing Yoda. Investing Yoda. Does investing Yoda want to have a chat? Come on, investing Yoda. Mm-hmm. There's a legend nano in it. <laughs> no, no takers. Investing. Should we Yoda. redraw? Are, are you there? <laughs> I'll I'll invite Investing Yoda to speak right now, and um, if he doesn't jump on, we we'll send him a, a DM from the Blockstars uh, Twitter account. And uh, hopefully he gets back to us. Yep. He, he could be driving. He could be listening to us in the car. That's it is um, six o'clock New South Wales Safety Melbourne first. time. So yep. Victoria. Absolutely. So yeah, no no answer on that one. Brain scan for now. Um, from investing in Yoda, but we will send him a DM if possible. If let me just check that. Uh, Yep, we can send him a DM. He's got his DMs open to us, so okay. awesome. We'll get in contact with Investing Yoda, and um, we'll get his information, and we'll probably jump on a jump on a call, order order his Legend Nano, yep. and um, send that to his address. Awesome. So, were there any other type of wallets that we needed to cover? Any other questions? No, I think I'm done for questions for now. Okay. I mean, I have plenty more, but I'll leave them for another time. Otherwise, we won't finish today. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. yes, we are five minutes past the one okay. hour, but it has been a has been an awesome episode today, episode thirteen. We had Darren on, had plenty of questions from Brainscan today. Wish he could have joined us, mate. But um, hopefully, next week we'll see you here for episode 14 and we'll we'll go brainstorm what we're going to talk about for that one we'll do. and come back to everybody on twitter and instagram Man, might be worthwhile just shouting out too like um, 
if anybody has a specific topic that they'd like shoot, us to cover, shoot us some topics. Yeah, let us yeah. know. What is it that would interest you? Yeah, what interests you? Yeah, yep, yep. That's a good one. Maybe we might have to start a DAO. Oh, right after the podcast about what a DAO is. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That, that may work. That may work well, Craig. Yes. And um, as we're doing our monthly meetups, which our next one will be in February, yep. first Tuesday. Uh, we're having a break for the end of the year. We've got a lot of work on and a lot of events to go to, which are exciting. We'll, me and Cozzy will be down at NFT Fest uh, next Wednesday, Thursday, and in Melbourne Friday if anybody wants to catch up from there. And um, yeah, but that could be interesting. We could do our meetups, POAP, and do that on Polygon yeah. and allow, allow our meetup people to make proposals and vote on upcoming yeah. um, weekly podcasts from us. Could be anybody online. Anybody yeah, online, anybody. yeah. We could be sending them to people that join our Twitter spaces yep, as well. Absolutely. So we go global. Yep. That actually sounds exciting. We're gonna we're gonna brain that one out. Yep. <laughs> Work that one out. Alrighty. Awesome. Well thanks everybody for tuning in today. It was great seeing you all here and awesome awesome again having yeah. Darren on. Thank you, Darren. Go, go check out his meetups. He's awesome to listen to. He can break things down um, very easily, like a high overview, yep. and he can go right down to a real technical. So yep. um, he does great meetups there. Okay. Yeah. And um, all right, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you guys. Thank you. See ya. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe.